Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer. I'm T.C. Hale. I'm here with Kenna McEnroe, girl, person, Mm -hmm. sitting over there. Mm -hmm. That's me. And to my left, we have Will Hottie Patati Schmidt with us today, fitness trainer to the stars extraordinaire. Hi. Hi. Yeah, hello. Hello. I'll say hello. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming out. We're loud today. Yeah. We do. We have a lot to do today. We're going to cover multiple topics because we're not scared. Okay. And then we're uh, we're also making more videos, uh, wrapping up the coach course, uh, putting on the final touches. And I noticed yesterday that it's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> cool. I just noticed it. That's good. Because I was looking over you know, it. Hey, wait I was a like. I was like, I'm so upset. I, I'm like jealous. I like, I wish I could take this well, course. It's you can. that you awesome. You could probably take it again if you want. I feel like I would know all the answers to the quizzes That's since the I made up the quizzes. That's the best time to take it. Then you feel like, hey, uh, I'm smart. Okay. Good. You could set up like a participant scoreboard and you could be like way ahead. I would mm-hmm. be the winner, winner, mm-hmm. chicken dinner. Exactly. You could win on the contest. But if any of you guys would like to learn how to become a health coach and take this cool course. Segway. Yeah. Or even just dig into more advanced teachings for yourself or your family, go to healthprocourse.com to learn about Tony and Will's course for coaches. Registration for this course only opens to the public for about a week at a time. So be sure to register for the coach newsletter so you'll be notified when the next registration opens. You'll find more info at healthprocourse.com. Yeah, we're getting pretty excited about that. But for today, we're going to cover two topics. We're going to put them together and pretend like they're one, even though they're totally different. So they don't have anything to do with the other. Meh. It's chronic cough and bad breath. You right. might have bad breath if you're coughing all the time and air is getting in there. Curling up your guts. Your, your throat's dry, maybe. I Meh. don't know. Okay, that's it then. To can, I, it can I handle them and we're done with those yep. topics? That's what I'm here for, people. So, if you haven't joined us on Facebook, what is your problem? I am just one commercial after another. <laughs> yeah, right. Go ahead and go to Kick It in the Nuts and like us there, and that's where we post all of our show topics. And you guys can ask any questions. We'll try to cover those questions in the show. Or you can even tell us to do a certain specific topic that you want to know about. I mean, we've probably already done it. Because we've done like a million of these. Or 78. Yes. It's either one of those numbers. Very close. A million or 78. But Mm -hmm. that's good. Well, let's just, uh, if nobody else has anything else to share, let's go right into bad breath. All right. All right. So let's, let's talk about bad breath. And, you know, there's a lot of different causes for bad breath. And we'll kind of touch on a few of them. But the one really big one that a lot of people don't know about that we'll kind of uh, breeze over before we get into questions. One major cause for bad breath that a lot of people don't understand is that um, here's the test that you do, is that you uh, take what you eat for dinner. Let's say that you eat uh, a steak um, and some vegetables uh, and you put that out in a garbage can outside your house um, and just let it sit there for a while. Maybe, you know, eight or nine days, and you go back up and open up a garbage can and stick your head in that garbage can, and some bad stuff is going to happen. So what happens is there was no digestion to break that food down, so it just kind of rotted in the garbage can, and all these disgusting things happen. So when people don't have the ability to break down their food, the food just kind of rots there in the stomach and in their intestinal tract, and it creates all these gases and fermentation and chemical reactions and and really it's just a pile of gross so as that pile of gross is going on that's what it's known as in the science 
world. Pile of growth. Pile of growth. While that pile of growth was going on, it kind of comes back up and then it comes out your gullet when you say words. Mm. And then people back up like three feet when you're talking. Mm. So a lot of, in a lot of situations, not every situation, but a lot of situations, chronic bad breath is a result of your food rotting and fermenting and then that stench coming back up out of your mouth. Mm. What if you have chronic bad butt no. I mean gas? <laughs> no. I was just being... The BO could be an interesting thing to weave into true, this topic true. as well. Let's do that now. That's true. Yeah, now the, that we we're adding it, and people didn't have time to right. add their It'll questions. It'll be a surprise we, bonus topic for we, the week. We improvise because we hang out with Kenna. And she Are you trying to tell to me something, that. Will? Well. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, let's talk about that some. Yeah. Well, do we want to go further into the whole bacteria and what to do about it with the stomach? Thing, or should we come wrap back around to that? We'll come back to that. Okay. Well, one really fun way to start off the topic about BO is, did you guys ever see a documentary called The Science of Attraction? Yes. You did? It's really good. Yeah. So they've done an experiment that's, I think, been repeated multiple times where they have a um, bunch of guys smell girls use gym shirts, and then, and then girls smell guys' gym shirts, and they have to rate them on how sexy they think the, sh- like the smell is of each shirt and they found guys consistently like the smell of the girls that were ovulating like they could they would just pick up there's like two wow. girls that were ovulating like they would just instinctively like right. that so it didn't really matter about their genetics it just matter about that their period in the cycle but girls liked guys who had apparently like the healthiest immune systems which they could tell by the scent because the scent of your of your body odor is created by the ferment of the bacteria that lives on your skin. Hmm. So if you don't have a strong immune system, you can have these sort of like undesirable bacteria that thrive on your skin and create skin problems and issues as well as have a putrid smell to them. Like the kind of fermentation occurring is like smells rancid. Scary. But the hell... <laughs> but the... The healthier the individual's immune system, the healthier the flora that lives on the skin, and the nicer like ferment smell that's created. So you can look at like when we look at BO, we can look at issues of like the own the individual's immune system and their the health of the, like the skin cells and their ability to properly metabolize steroids and properly um, eliminate waste out through the bile rather than out through the skin. So there's a lot of information we can gain about someone's BO. And their digestion and their overall immune system. Right. I'm ovulating, Will. Okay. <laughs> it's so interesting about the ovulating thing, too, because, you know, as, as young guys today, a lot of them would run and flee <laughs> of the thought if of getting a girl pregnant right. and, you know, having offspring. But when it, go, when it comes back down to our animal instincts, that's really all we're here for is just to make more of us. So... Um, it's just so interesting that they've proven through some type of experiment that we are attracted to that. Mm-hmm. And what's that called again? I want to watch this. It's the science of attraction. It's on Netflix. Anyways, so let's go back to the bad breath thing. So we can see the BO that does have to do with our physiology as well. And as well, you know, in the same way that if you eat a whole bunch of garlic, that, that can start to seep mm-hmm. out of your body and sure. you can have that odor. Um, other foods that may not be digesting well and are rotting and fermenting could create those gases and the body tries to remove that through the skin too. Yeah, I mean certain foods that's just going to happen. Like asparagus in your urine, you're just it's Onions. just going to That doesn't mean that something is off in your digestion. That's just how certain foods impact us. But if someone has like a continual rancid smell in their breath or their BO, it's a definite issue. I and mean, we can look at like what's going on with their digestion. Right, it's not a personality uh, thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, when we you want me to go into a little bit about the stomach physiology, or should we go into questions? Let's go. Let's handle a question real quick, okay. and then we'll go into that. You would ask me. I don't even have it ready because I thought we were far away from questions. No, no. But here we are. Kim, I'm always conscious of my breath. Is there any other way to keep it fresh without brushing my teeth a zillion times a day or chewing gum? Also, why do some people have horrible morning breath and others not so much? Okay, so that's kind of that'll probably be the theme of what we kind of talk about when it comes to breath. So let's look into the, the physiology of um, the stomach first, first, so we can cover the people that uh, have constant stank head, um, 
and then we'll co we'll move backwards a little bit and kind of move into some issues that can happen in the mouth as well. Oh, okay. So the stomach resting pH should be down around one or two, which is really, really acidic. And it should it's not only to break down proteins and help you digest the food, but it's also to sterilize the food. And I don't know if you've ever put your hand into like a jar of a pH of one or two. I have not done yeah. that. I've chosen not to do that <laughs> right. on purpose. Right, but if you did, it would burn your skin off, and that is what should be happening. Like it might not melt like you see on uh, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? But, but you it, would it damage. Would, it would burn. Yeah. So it's a sizzle and burn and break down. Yeah. So the the cells inside the stomach are designed to withstand that pH without damage, and if the lining of the stomach is intact, it's not a problem. And it's useful to have that pH down that low because it kills off the bacteria that comes into our body through the food that we eat, whether eating animal flesh foods or plants or whatever, even in the water, it sterilizes our food through that super low pH. And anything that survives that acid bath then gets doused with a highly alkaline substance when it leaves the stomach and goes into the duodenum. So our digestive system is really set up to very effectively chemically sterilize and fry anything yeah fry yeah so when we take if we don't have enough hydrochloric acid or if we take antacids that neutralize our stomach acid because we're dealing with like reflux issues or whatever then we no longer digest our food or sterilize it and then bacteria can survive in the stomach and they will create more of themselves and a lot of uh, waste products from their own metabolic uh processes and that creates a fermenting rotting smell that you'll then breathe out and people smell that when you exhale right and so you're not only looking at all the stank that could come from the food that you ate that did not get broken down and it's rotting and all the chemical reactions that happen through that process but if bacteria are able to live in your stomach or even in your small intestines really um they have waste product you know, there's waste that comes out of bacteria, just like there's waste that comes out of us. Um, so that can create an odor as well that can come back up and out your mouth. So you've just got little bitty poops. Yeah, you're just breathing little poops nice. all over you. Each nice. other. So maybe you are gargling with, you know, that yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. method like you talked about. So, so that's a big percentage of the problems uh, when you're looking at bad breath and uh, a lot of people don't know this a lot of people just assume that it's something in my mouth since my mouth stinks since stink is coming out of my mouth and somebody told me that um because a lot of you know a lot of times the person has no idea they smell that all the time they're just used to it they think that that's what the world smells like i guess but um but so that's a, a, a big cause for a lot of people um let's go back into the mouth a little bit too because Bacteria also lives in our mouth, and uh, there's situations where they can grow much more. Uh, you know, whether there's like tartar or plaque on our teeth. Um, but a big problem that can create this is if someone had, uh, you know, like a root canal, some kind of tooth yanked out or something like that, pockets can be formed in where the tooth was, and it creates like this little hole. And you might not be able to see it very well, or it might just be like a little tiny hole that kind of goes into a bigger hole cavity in there. And uh, bacteria get in there, and they set up camp, and it's like a big party. So if there's a party in your mouth... That you're not invited to. And you're not even invited, which is rude. um, You know, the waste from that bacteria is going to create odors. I woke up when you said party. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing with uh, in the the mouth, bacterial problems and other degenerative problems of the the actual anatomy of like the teeth and gums can happen when your own saliva pH is off, and you have enzymes and different bicarbonates that your saliva naturally secretes. And we've talked about this a lot of times when we have impaired bioflow or maybe impaired liver function. So you're on some medication that's that's really overwhelming your liver. We can see a severe drop in saliva pH. And then with that, there will oftentimes, if that's sustained, you'll oftentimes see uh, degeneration of the tissues of the mouth and other bacterial problems that start to occur. 
when the saliva pH is really low because you're missing those sterilizing bicarbonates and other enzymes that your saliva should be naturally secreting all the time. What about, like people would say, Atkins diet or is that just because you can't process the meat that you're eating, so that's why it smells? No, or ketones actually, can, if you're breathing out ketones on a ketogenic diet, which usually tends to be a big uh, factor when someone first starts out before the body starts using a lot of those ketones for fuel. But if you breathe those out, that's an odor that is made by those ketones. But with the bacteria in the mouth, there is a test that, that a, a coach can do for you um, that was learned from Kerry Reams. Um, do you want to explain that, what the, how that works a little bit? Oh, with the nitrate and ammonia test? Right. So yeah, you wouldn't want to do this on your own if you don't have proper training because these chemicals are really uh, caustic. Right, and they could, you could hurt yourself. But we do teach how to do this in our coach course, actually. Yeah, so there's um, an ag- uh, like an agricultural expert named Carrie Reams who pioneered a lot of uh, agricultural practices that are still studied in master's and PhD programs in that realm, but he also turned his eye toward human health and innovated a couple analysis techniques that we often use in in helping people figure out their own chemistry. And one of those is to analyze the amount of nitrate, nitrogen, and ammonia nitrogen in urine and saliva using these different test solutions and extract solutions. So we can see the levels of those different things in those different fluids. And when we see a large amount of nitrate and nitrogen in the saliva, that's a pretty strong indicator that there's a bacterial overgrowth in the in the mouth in the right saliva. yeah and we and we kind of look at this to kind of get some insights into what's going on with protein in the body and we're kind of getting different insights from this the the mouth one is just a bonus that if you're testing saliva um when you put these drops in it, it changes the color of the uh, of the drops according to the whatever you're testing and so when uh if there happens to be bacteria in the mouth uh you know someone's having dental issues where uh, you know, because most dentists, they'll just yank out a tooth and say, all right, good job, see you later. Um, but some biological dentists will understand that things kind of need to be sealed up and you can't leave holes for stuff to grow in. Uh, so um, a lot of people will have the issue, and when you do this test, the the color will just go super dark blue, like almost instantly, and you know, okay, that's that's basically bacteria poop that is making it change the color like that. So that can be an indication that, okay, I need to... Um, have a, a biological dentist look and see if we can figure out some issues that are going on in my mouth, some type of uh, gum disease or a, a, an empty pocket where bacteria is living. Something is going on. So that's one way that a person can investigate if they're dealing with an issue of bacteria in the mouth. You know, another thing that I read about when I was looking at stuff for this is that there's been some studies that showed using probiotics in other words, we know in the body that if we do some kind of antibiotic and wipe out all the good bacteria, that it allows bad bacteria to kind of take over. The good bacteria usually can help hold them in check a little bit. It seemed like that could happen in the mouth as well. So by either supplementing probiotics or by eating fermented foods and allowing the bacteria to actually exist in the mouth while you're eating it, that it was uh, able to help some bad breath issues that were caused by bacteria that I just found interesting. So a person could do, you know, like if they just ate kimchi or sauerkraut occasionally, or if you were a person that had bad breath and you uh, thought that it might be due to bacterial issues in the mouth, that that might be something that you could try to see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Do you ever use that spit test as well to see, like, the speed at which the spit trips? I totally forgot about that test. Wow, that is. Explain how that works. I, I have not used that in probably over a year. I forgot about yeah, it. I haven't used it a ton, but for this issue, I think it's helpful. And c- correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not as familiar with it as I should be, but it's been explained to me to have someone spit in a cup, and then you like tilt it over, and you see how fast this, or just watch the spit run down the wall of the cup and see how fast it runs or not. Basically, you get a clear glass so that you can see through it, and then you fill it with water. And then the person just spits into the glass so that the spit just kind of lands on the top. You're not spitting forcefully to push it down. And, uh, man, I hope I don't get this wrong right now. It's been so long I can't remember. But I believe that if it seeps down into the glass relatively quickly, that that can be a sign of some type of uh, bacterial issue or uh, some kind of pathogen uh, 
eating up the body a little bit. And if it floats on the glass a little longer and takes, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds for it to start seeping down, that that's a, a more healthy situation. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and, and that's just, uh, I've just heard about that test from a lot of people. I've never even dug into, is this just uh, fake or false or whatever? I've never really dug into it, but I remember using it with people and having the results correlate with what I saw in other things. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing on breath and ketones, there, and sometimes I would see when people are doing a ketogenic diet, including myself, I would see higher amounts of ammonia in my saliva. And I think that would be like one of the ways you can try to distinguish is it from like my own ketone production, like if my breath felt off, or if it was a lot of nitrogen, like, oh, that's maybe more of a bacterial problem. Um, so that's another tool if you have those chemical reagents that you can use to try to discern that. And there's also a, um, a fancy ketone breath monitor that it's called Ketonics. It's kind mm-hmm. of a new invention this past year where you can exhale out into it and can measure the amount of ketones in your saliva. If you're trying to go on a ketogenic diet for whatever reason, you can, you can see how far you, along you are with that. But if you, if you are on a low-carbohydrate diet, maybe you're not trying to do a ketogenic diet, and your partner is like, hey, your breath is horrible, right. um, you could use that breath to see, okay, am I breathing out a lot of ketones or is it something else that I need to look at? So you could justify that. Like, hey, I have bad breath, but I'm getting nice yeah, abs. Right, so right. So deal with it. Yeah, pick. Pick which one you want. <laughs> right. Here's some gum I can chew. Um, but you know, also when we talk about bacteria in the mouth or in the gut or whatever, there's different types of bacteria that can create different types of gases too. Uh, so that could play a part in what's going on, whether you're seeing ammonia or or other types of mm. uh, gases. So that's the breath story, pretty much. What do you think about that story, Kenna? Uh, I was asleep most of the time. Okay. But... You know, one other thing that would really wake Kenna up is that... Um, is there some naked man somewhere? No. Oh. no. But I, I've heard that uh, when there's magnified uh, tartar or you know those type of issues in the mouth, that that can sometimes be a sign of an iodine deficiency. Maybe someone's drinking water with chlorine or fluoride in it and it's depleting the body of iodine. But I also heard that like the amount of tartar on your teeth or whatever is also like it measures within your heart, like the, the vessels in your heart. They say that that amount of It does plaque, build up on your yeah, teeth. Yeah, it yeah, does yeah. build up. And I have seen, I've heard people talk about correlations between uh, plaque buildup on the teeth and a catabolic imbalance, which... Mm. People would often in a catabolic imbalance would end up with more, um, you know, arterial buildup stuff. It seems to be in most cases. So I don't know if there's a correlation between that or not, but it's it's worth mentioning just for fun. Yeah, I I don't know if there, I mean I would think a large factor in is to just the level of the individual's dental hygiene. You know, like because you could just you could have the same diet and your heart be kind of the same, and you just stop brushing, and you get like a bunch mm-hmm. of tartar. But there's you know I don't recommend that. But, yeah, so brush, yeah, but it, there's certain things you can do in addition to brushing and flossing and all that. Um, there's also you can do salt water rinses, and then have you ever heard of water wa- picks? Water picks, those mechanical toothbrushes are really effective. Also, and then have you ever heard of oil pulling? I have. Is that with the coconut oil? Not in your mouth. Yeah. How do they do it in their yeah. mouth? Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of an Indian practice. You can go to like fancy health food stores and or groceries and get like special oils for it. But really, I'm, can, I'm feeling tongue pain in my tongue right now as you, you can, even mentioned. It. You can just use coconut oil; works just fine. But you swish with it for like ten minutes, uh. which is kind of nauseating if you haven't done it before. But it's because there's certain things that. Like soaps and salts bind to really well, so you clear off your you clear your teeth of those particles through chelation of of salts and such when you brush your teeth. But then there's other things that bind well with lipids. So when you swish with fats, you get those things that can also add to tartar or plaque buildup. So you can get your teeth on like another level of clean and being able to clear off certain particles that wouldn't ordinarily bind. Right, and I. Uh you know, coconut oil is a is a strong antimicrobial. It's, it's very effective. And I remember hearing this guy in the grocery store when he was buying his coconut oil, telling the, the cashier guy that uh, that he just chews on coconut oil sometimes because it can help clean out a lot of the stuff in your mouth. Yeah. And that could be an effective way to do that. Uh, oh, and I also 
they also had probiotic mouthwashes when I, I was reading about that trial that we had talked about earlier. I wonder if that could be effective too. But, you know, bacteria can be on the tongue. It can exist there. There's a lot of little crevices in there, and you can't see bacteria. It's not necessarily is the tongue coated or not. Um, but they, those tongue scraper things mm-hmm. are kind of cool. And, yeah. and I, you know, a lot of people really talk about how they uh, really see improvements on a lot of issues when they just use those from time to time. Yep. All the cool kids do them. Tongue scrapers are cool. Yeah, so let's maybe go into some chronic coughing stuff. Did we have anything else about I, bad I, breath? I would just say, like, if you do have sort of chronic bad breath and you're already doing all the, the oral hygiene stuff we just talked about, then you should take a look at your stomach acid levels and go through our free digestive issues course at kickinthenuts.com forward slash courses. That'll help you figure out, do, is my acid okay or do I need better yeah. stuff going on? Okay, let's cough it up. All right, Ross, why do I sometimes get intense coughing fits when I'm not sick and I haven't choked on anything? Okay, so when we get into chronic cough stuff, there are quite a few um, issues that can create a chronic cough, but a lot of them are a little more obvious. You know, we know if you get an infection or a cold or bronchial infection or something like that, that it's going to create coughs, and we all know that. But there's a lot of people out there that have chronic coughs for a very long period of time and doctors can't figure out what's going on and they don't see an infection and um, the person just has these almost conniption fits where they cough like they sound like they're going to hurl up a lung or something. So what we see in a lot of, of these situations is that it's an acid reflux problem that is just uh, presenting itself differently in different people. A lot of people will feel heartburn, um, but other people will have uh, vocal issues and other people will have coughing issues. And basically what's happening is as the acid or or even if they're using a PPI, um, because I've had clients come to me with chronic coughs, um, even a, a friend of Kenna's, that the doctor said, oh, it's a reflux thing, and they put her on PPIs, but she still had the chronic cough, like it didn't improve at all. And so we know that if someone's having reflux and they turn off their stomach acid, they don't feel the reflux anymore. But digestive enzymes in the stomach can still come up with that reflux, and those enzymes are made to break down protein so they can damage uh, esophagus, vocal cords, all those things. So as that stuff comes up, and starts to damage the body, the body knows that it doesn't want it there. So coughing is the way to remove it off of those delicate tissues. So the person ends up coughing ridiculously, and they, they don't understand why. They're looking at lung problems, all this stuff. Um, but when you fix the acid reflux by increasing stomach acid and triggering that valve to close, it fixes. Do you want to just... To, Kind of briefly go over how that works with the LES. Yeah, I was I was just thinking it's kind of like being constantly internally waterboarded, right? You know, where the the lower esophageal sphincter, the LES, is the top sort of valve on the stomach that should be triggered to seal shut by acid. The pH is like a like a signal for that valve to like constrict. And right. So food comes in, the stomach makes acid to break mm-hmm. that food down, mm-hmm. and then it flexes and seals shut. But if the acid levels aren't strong enough, it doesn't get that trigger, and they definitely wouldn't be strong enough if you took a PPI, because now there's no acid at all in the stomach, then the contents will regurgitate and come up and cause uh, degeneration of that tissue by the enzymes and the acid in that liquid, but it would also uh, potentially obstruct the airway, because there's fluid, you know, so you would oftentimes like just try like snorting water like that makes you cough right because your body wants to clear water it's a reaction for the body to okay i gotta handle this right so you have like a small amount of fluid constantly kind of being regurgitated up through potentially the airway depending on how far it's going and and so yeah someone would constantly kind of choking essentially and, and coughing as a result of it so the answer wouldn't be to just neutralize the stomach acid because now you're still going to have all that fluid regurgitating causing the cough so you want to actually fix the acidic levels by getting the stomach to have sufficient acid levels to trigger the valve of the stomach, the LES, to close shut and tight so you don't have that fluid regurgitating. 
you Someone know, once mentioned that acid reflux was like internal waterboarding. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm kidding. It was a throwback. Uh, right. Yeah. To like yeah. earlier a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's cover Michelle's question because she kind of asked about this too. Okay. Michelle from Embler, Oregon. What about excessive mucus clearing of the throat? My dad and brother now both have this. We have worked a lot on correcting my dad's digestion, and when his reflux got better, it helped some. But still, he also chokes and gags occasionally on supplements and food. It seems to come and go, but worse when his excessive clearing of his throat is going on. Yeah, so... Is that like hiatal hernia sometimes? Because my grandmother would have to get up and, like, walk around to swallow pills and stuff. No, it's different, but I'm going to come back to that because that's kind of interesting. So when acid is coming up and it's damaging those tissues, the body's first reaction is to coat the tissues with mucus, and that's kind of what, uh, why the body would make mucus. You see mucus in a lot of places where there's inflammation, um, intestinal uh, damage that's going on with a lot of different types of Crohn's and colitis, that kind of stuff. The, the, they'll, you'll, they'll see a lot of mucus in their stool because the body is making mucus to kind of protect the tissues from that acid. The acid's not supposed to be there. Of course, we know that you're supposed to have that acid neutralized by bile, and we talk about that in our IBS Crohn's colitis uh, nearly episode. Nearly every episode. Yeah, yeah, nearly every episode, like Ken mentioned. Um, but so that's why these people that are having the chronic cough, they'll see a lot of mucus a lot of times because the body's trying to protect it. So it sounds like Michelle's dad uh, has taken steps to improve his uh, reflux, but one of a couple things that it's either maybe he's not doing quite enough uh, maybe he still has uh, quite a bit of bacteria in the stomach so maybe if he's using HCL it's creating enough acid so that he can digest the food properly for that meal and and even trigger the LES to close but uh, if bacteria gets stronger at any time for some reason the stomach would be more alkaline from their waste and so maybe he's right on that fence of going either way or he could have a hiatal hernia like Kenna's grandma um, that's restricting the valve from closing correctly. Mm-hmm. He also could still be in a, um, a parasympathetic imbalance you know, where you're going to be more prone to have a stronger gag reflex. So we know digestion is an issue for Michelle's dad because he has reflux. And it improves when he improves digestion. Yeah, so that's good. But his nervous system may still be in a parasympathetic state if his body is still trying to really focus on digestion and regeneration. The the nerves and hormones associated with the parasympathetic state are going to be uh, more heavily secreted and that nervous to try to help with digestion and regeneration. And that nervous system pattern is one where our, we have a heightened gag reflex. So he, he may still be like extra sensitive, like hard to swallow pills and things like that because of this present orientation of his nervous system. Right, and we're going to talk about that in one second too. But even beyond uh, being overly parasympathetic, if that tissue is sensitive from the damage from the acid, then it could create a reaction that was even stronger and then you put a parasympathetic imbalance on top of that and somebody could do a whole bunch of gagging and choking and spitting capsules back up and all kinds of stuff like that. But you were saying if they're right on the fence, then they would just need to like up their HCL. Maybe he's not taking enough of that. Or- yeah, or he might need to take steps to wipe out a good layer of that bacteria in the stomach. Because you know, if someone uh, is if someone's HCL production is poor enough that they're having reflux, then odds are good that some bacteria has made it in there and survived and they climb into the mucus lining and uh, so when acid comes out during a meal they just hide and then come back out and party a little bit Um, so her dad may need to take steps to kind of wipe out some bacteria do you want to mention a couple steps that we we see it do well sometimes yeah we uh, we often will recommend delimonene as a Jaros makes that? Jaro, yeah. Yeah, and then there was another product we recommended before, which is good. Just Same a thing. More expensive, called Heartburn Free. Right. And uh, we would also even sometimes recommend Pepto-Bismol. Right, for short-term use. Yeah, just as a means to destroy the bacteria that may have embedded itself in the stomach. It works in a way that's different than acid. It kind of strips it of its protective mucus lining, and that enables the acid to then get at the bacteria and wipe it out. That's 
the theory, anyway, of how it works. Right, and the delimonene stuff also can seep into that mucus layer and wipe out bacteria. But the, the thought is that if you take some steps to wipe out the bacteria and then you're using HCL uh, normally and maybe eventually your body can even start making more of its HCL, then you can keep bacteria from coming in and, and kind of setting up camp. Yeah. So that might be something that um, Michelle's dad could try. But as we as Will brought up the parasympathetic thing, let's look at some other just common causes of cough, and one of those is allergies and asthma-type issues. And we see those thrive in a parasympathetic imbalance. Go, Will Schmidt. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one is kind of like, well, which one is first? It's kind of like we see the parasympathetic system overactive when digestion needs support, and we also see problems occur when digestion is not occurring correctly. So foods aren't processed as effectively. Proteins, for example, don't get broken down as well. And when we look at mucus and the lymphatic system, one of the main things that congests the lymphatic system is proteins. So when when proteins aren't being broken down into usable amino acids and peptides, they can create problems in the bloodstream, get cleared out into the lymph, congest the lymph. So we can see that like create issues with your skin as well as all the places where your lymph flows which includes like your mucus glands right. as well as like areas where you have bo occur as well so we would say like all right well is the parasympathetic state occurring or causing these allergies or is it just like the body's like response to poor digestion create and that's not able to handle these foods well that end up occurring to the body as toxins so we see um we see foods occurring to the body as like allergens and and creating other things like mucus and other allergic reactions like coughing and sneezing and even asthma type things skin issues rashes itchiness uh, that can correspond with the parasympathetic state and whether or not the parasympathetic state causes that or not we do see the person in the parasympathetic state has more of those sort of symptoms and when they take steps to push themselves into a sympathetic state like a fight or flight mode like through some medication we'll see a decrease in those kind of symptoms occurring right the reaction doesn't seem to be as severe so if your chronic cough is being caused by some type of allergen there's simple tests that you can look at yourself and we teach how to do those in the free four-week digestion course and if you're if you seem to be in an overly parasympathetic state, then you can just take steps to move yourself the other direction. And then your reaction may not be so severe, and that coughing may be relieved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, another issue is that you know air pollutants can be a problem for some people, um, especially if the body is already burdened. If it's very toxic for maybe they're on a lot of medications, maybe bile's not flowing, so toxins can't be removed. There's a lot of reasons. If a body is toxic, then a pollutant in the air that may not bother some people could really affect this person. Mm-hmm. Or situations like mold in the house and those spores that are released into the air can, you know, your body, as that comes in, the body's like, no, I don't want that in here. And it tries to cough to remove it from the body. So that might, that's worth checking out for some people is either is your body toxic um, and it's just reactive to every simple little thing or is there something in your house or where you work or something that uh, is some type of environmental problem to you and it's causing you to cough a lot yeah i recently had a client who had had a uh like a young daughter around three or four years old who just kept getting all these sinus problems and infections and allergies and was on a lot of different medications like tons of different medications and multiple rounds of antibiotics and tried to do a bunch of different things with her diet too and then I recommended, like, what about, like, the air in your house? Like, could there be some sort of, like, mold or allergen? And I had her start using um, thieves' oil. You ever heard of thieves' oil? I have heard of that. We talked about that on a show once. It's yeah. a steal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's, that was the same joke that Kenna used when we talked yeah, about it, too. So. I learned from you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Read yeah. up in those jokes. Yeah, um, but that is a pretty powerful, it's an insanely powerful antibiotic natural agent that's made of the essential oils of like clove and lemon and orange and things like that that you could put in a diffuser that just can wipe out microbes in your house and you also mean like a humidifier kind of thing it's just blowing it into the air well diffuser is kind of like uh it's not i guess it's like a humidifier but it's more like um ionizer kind of you thing? know if you had like uh 
like Purell has things you can plug into the wall and it'll yeah. just kind of like spritz like a uh-huh. little into the atmosphere, just constantly like kind of low grade diffusion of the right. liquid into a gas. They have those. You can also put them in like little candle burners where you they have a little ceramic dish for the oil and you put a candle beneath it so it heats it and that it fumigates your house essentially with these essential oils. But since she started doing that, the kid hasn't had any sinus problems and like so interesting. The sickness, yeah. like all of them, kept getting sick over and over. Now they're they're good. There's that, and then I've also known and have myself um, used a not a vaporizer. It's um. Oh, I know what you're going to say. You know, yeah, nebulizer. A nebulizer with colloidal silver. Right. Um, which is highly antimicrobial. And also other arguably like euthine effects from it that's, that's very good for your immune system. So I've done that with people that have had sinus infections, and it can really help uh, wipe all of them out. And neti pots, too. Neti pots can do that, too. Yep. Maybe with salt waters. So, yeah, those things that might be necessary to if you have some sort of bacterial or fungal or some kind of... Uh, mucus reaction because of a microbe breathing in sterilizing agents like natural products like thieves oil or uh, nebulizing with colloidal silver could be useful and it could be useful to put up a diffuser with thieves oil in your house to just clear off any like mold or something that might be there cool yeah I like that so I think we have time let's do an ask Tony question since it was a similar topic all right, Katie from Canada. Hi, I really enjoyed your book, and I believe if I eat more real foods and less processed foods, as well as fewer carbs, I would probably feel better and lose weight. I need to lose about 60 pounds, and I know what I weighed when I started to get heartburn all the time. I got it every day, so now I'm on a PPI once a day to prevent heartburn burn and heal any damage from heartburn i believe i will get rid of the heartburn once i reach that weight i find i do get heartburn as soon as i miss one or especially two pills in a row if i miss a pill and have any caffeine i most certainly will get heartburn so i am hesitant to stop this and try these hcl and beet flow can i not just go the real food route and my body will just have to put up with the medicine until i reach my goal Thanks, Tony. So she's saying when she thinks she gets to her goal weight, the acid reflux will be gone? Right. So, And this is a, a common misconception because someone will look at a problem that started when their weight reached a, a specific and amount. And they think it's the weight. Right. So they view it as the weight, and as soon as I lose that weight, I'll move backwards and move back to where I didn't have that problem. When I got to my heaviest, I met you. What is that about? Whoa. So, and that's where all my problems started. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the, the problem with this is, okay, here's, there is a situation where uh, added weight could create reflux because if it's like pressing up against the diaphragm or creating like a hiatal hernia and stretching uh, the esophagus and kind of pulling it, that stomach into the diaphragm a little bit, then that would create acid reflux. Um, beyond that, it doesn't, you know. So in most cases, there is some type of underlying issue that is creating both problems, but people view it as I gained weight and I have this problem because they can visually see the weight, so they just assume, well, that's the problem. But we know that uh, a lot of the causes of weight have to do with um, an inability to digest food correctly, so they're not getting the nutrients they need. They get cravings. Uh, the body becomes toxic if food's not digested. You want to mention some of those kind of things? So there's a lot of things that could cause weight gain and reflux at the same time. Yeah. I mean, and this this logic to me just sounds like someone who will join a gym once they lose the weight. Right, right. Yeah, you, know, you, you, wanna, you don't want to have that kind of thinking. Yeah, I mean, this seems really backwards. Like, But if you, Katie, if you like figure out a way to get your body to lose weight without fixing this problem, by the time you get down to the weight, you probably have done something that inert, inadvertently fixed this problem because this is the problem that's making you fat most likely. It's probably one of the biggest contributing factors to why you're overweight is because you don't have good digestion working. So to try to say, well, I'm just going to like keep my digestion turned off until I lose the weight is it's, it's totally illogical. Right. And what will end up happening is more weight. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe in the long run, but let's say that a person was like, had some way that, uh, 
Okay, I'm I'm just not gonna cocaine. Eat, I'm not gonna yeah. eat right. Yeah, Stop I said eating, I use cocaine. Yeah. Diet pills. <laughs> but what I'm gonna say is that if they if they did something that was going to create weight loss without fixing digestion, it's also going to create insanity because of the lack of nutrients that are going to be available. Uh, the brain is not going to be able to function correctly, and there's probably going to be some type of emotional issue or insanity that, that really that could magnify yeah. um, from that. So, But we're about to have a, a solution for you, Katie, so be excited. Yeah. So what you want to do is like try to fix this problem. Take our free digestion course at kickinthenuts.com and figure out how to restore the acid levels to your stomach so you can start to actually digest your food and get rid of your heartburn. And then you'll be able to lose weight in a healthy way where your body is being nourished and just doesn't need to store fat anymore. As opposed to if you go this other route of like, not that you're saying you're going to do amphetamines and starve yourself, but that's the only (laughs) other way you're really going to lose weight without fixing digestion is through starvation, which is a very unhealthy and insustainable way to try to lose weight. So here's one thing, and this is, okay, this is kind of tricky to talk about. Because keep in mind that we're not saying to Get stop. Off your meds, yeah, yeah, we're not saying don't take your PPI. That's not what we're saying at all. But what? Oh, I was going to have a question. Can somebody be on those meds though and do the HCL and the beet flow? Yeah, that's where I'm going. Oh. So oh, well. you were way ahead of me because people feel like, oh, I can't do both. And I will say that doing both is a little bit pointless for the most part, but it can still be done and can be effective what what you can't do is you can't supplement with hcl to improve to improve stomach acid and take an antacid at the same time like you know one of those chalky kind of uh things that you Tums. know yeah something that turns off uh stomach acid um i mean it neutralizes stomach acid if you do that while you're supplementing with hcl then you're you're silly you but up. yeah it wouldn't be fun but a ppi just turns off your body's ability to make its own stomach acid. So you could continue to take that while you're supplementing with HCL, but here's what's going to happen. You know, we teach people how to start with a very low dose and kind of work up because you have to figure out how much you need. You know, the fact that you get heartburn if you just skip a couple days of the pill is a pretty good sign because it shows that your body has the ability to start making acid again pretty quickly. And for a lot of people, they don't when they've been on those meds for a while. Um, so, But what happens is when you start to add just a little bit of HCL, a lot of times the heartburn gets worse because now uh, you're still getting the reflux that you were getting before. You just didn't feel it because there was no acid. But now you augmented acid. You added acid to your stomach. So now when you that reflux is coming back up, you're going to feel it even more. It's going to be more painful. But what most people don't understand is that once they acidify that stomach enough, it triggers the LES to close. There's no more reflux, and they fixed it. Yeah, and since reflux is such a big uh, worry for for you, Katie, like you might want to just go ahead and take the extra steps that we recommend with, for trouble for problematic cases, like taking the D-limonene or heartburn-free, avoiding carbohydrates with the meals where you take hydrochloric acid and protein, and um, there's even other things you can do, like avoiding certain fibers that are problematic, and uh, there's other there's other tools like um, activated charcoal away from meals, raw carrot fibers. Uh, aloe vera can also sometimes be helpful, but you want to, away from food. Yeah, away from food, yeah. But you want to try to make it as um, as harmonious an environment for acid to be added to your stomach. So you want to kill the bacteria that's there. Try using the D-limonene product. Uh, don't food combine because the carbohydrates can create an elevated alkaline internal environment. So if you have carbohydrates with proteins, with HCL, it can create more of a fizzy mess. It can kind of activate the bacteria that's in there. And, and the people that usually have a lot of problem, like I just described, where they'll add their, you know, the first time they try it, they'll add, you know, one HCL, or maybe they'll get to two, and then the, the reflux will be more. Usually the people that experience that the most are the people that um, their stomach is packed with bacteria because there's no acid there to wipe them out. And just about anybody that is on a PPI is going to have bacteria in their stomach unless they're they're eating some type of sanitized something. Because just the food that we eat, it has, it has stuff on it. Yeah. And so 
Um, by taking the steps to wipe out some bacteria first before you start it, a lot of people are able to bypass that the symptom of the heartburn that they experience as they ramp up to the full dose. Mm-hmm. And the only time it really doesn't work is if somebody has a hiatal hernia that's restricting that valve from closing properly. Yeah, and this may not be totally smooth sailing when you try to fix this, Katie, like, but just know it's it's really critical that you do fix this, not just to lose weight, but for long-term health reasons. If, you're, if your digestion is off, you're going to run into some nutrient deficiencies and a lot of endotoxin filth is going to just be continually flooded into your system that will create much more serious health problems and energy production problems in the future. So you may have some increased discomfort while you try to navigate this and, and change the chemistry of your stomach and kill off the bacteria. But if you can, if you can tolerate it and work through it, uh, it usually only takes a couple weeks for most people to, at the most, to fix this issue. Um, but if you can get through that, it'll make a huge world of difference. Yeah, and, and don't don't view this like we're saying you did something wrong. That's that's not what we're saying. You were doing what makes sense to someone viewing this from the outside, really. But um, try looking at it this way: that you know, a big problem with major weight gain, somebody that would gain you know forty or fifty pounds, um, and remember you know that happening. Um, it's most commonly there's a lot of issues that can create it, but most commonly, uh, poor nutrient assimilation is involved in there in some way, and that's kind of what's making the body either eat uh, too many carbohydrates, processed foods, and junk because that stuff is easier to digest, or they're eating too much, and that's usually because they're not pulling enough of the nutrients out of the food they're eating, and the body's like, I gotta have. I got to have stuff here so the person keeps eating. So think about that if that process started to happen around the same time that your reflux happens, it makes sense that the actual underlying cause may have been the disruption in your digestion and that kind of falling apart and that created the weight gain and the heartburn instead of viewing it as, oh, I just gained weight because it's a genetic thing or I'm getting older and then the weight gain is making the reflux happen. So if you view it the way that's uh, more scientific, it'll help you move through the steps with a better understanding. I think we've finished talking about stuff. Cool. Yeah, if you like audiobooks, you're going to love our sponsor. Audible.com has given all our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day membership. Go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook to find the link so you can get yours. So you could probably get Kick Your Fat in the Nuts. If you can get it for free. For that, free. Yeah, Listen to it. Because there's an audiobook version. Exactly. And uh, if you go check out the Coach Course at Coach Course. Health Pro Course. Health Pro I don't even know what they are. Um, if, if registration is not currently open, sign up to be notified. We're only going to open up registration for about a week at a time every once in a while so that we can manage everything that's going on. So just be uh, sign up to be notified or you'll miss it and then you'll be sad and, you'll, mm-hmm. and you won't like us. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the free four-week digestion course at kickitinthenuts.com. Also, go to healthprocourse.com to learn more about how to become a health coach. And head on over to Will Schmidt's page, mybodyofknowledge.net, to check out all his information, blogs, and exercises, and good stuff like that. Yeah, like that. Mm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.